As Eastern Australia recovers from one of its worst flood disasters, mind you, the rain that has been tumbling down in my neck of the woods today makes me wonder whether we might be heading for something again. But a familiar image has been appearing in the media, political leaders visiting the disaster sites. We've seen Prime Minister Scott Morrison, along with state premiers and other politicians, go to some of the worst affected areas. And these visits have a surprisingly long history with a fair share of successes and failures along the way. But why exactly do our leaders go to disaster sites? Like, what is it that they're presence can achieve? Can it be constructive for the countries and the community? More broadly, what do Australians really want from their leaders during these times of crisis? To discuss all this, I'm joined by Dr Rose Williamson, a senior lecturer in the School of Humanities, Arts and Social Sciences at the University of New England. She's researched how Australian leaders have responded to disasters over recent decades. Welcome, Rose. Thank you. Uh, We'll come back to to the history in a minute, but As the floodwaters appear to be receding in eastern Australia, um, we've we've had very much the sort of imagery dominating the news sometimes with the Prime uh, Prime Minister and other leaders visiting areas like this. In your view, having looked at uh, at an overall uh, context, why do they do this exactly? Experts in crisis communication and disaster management tell us that when something catastrophic happens, people need two things. They need practical advice information. They need to be told how to keep safe and what to do. They also need what's been called humanistic communication. They need to feel that they're not alone, that they will get through this, that they have help. And the national leader has an important role to play in that humanistic communication in particular. By going to the site of a disaster, that's saying, look, you're so important that that I am here. I am here for you. I need to see this myself to truly understand what you're going through. Yes, there's a great um, story about Jim Cairns, who was uh, acting Prime Minister during Cyclone Tracy, who uh, who went up, he was treasurer normally, and he went there to this utterly destroyed city and simply said, I'm here to learn. And as, as I understand it, it's, a, it's sort of regarded as a real exemplar standard. Uh, and he that was the sort of tone he took, which went down extremely well. Um, so, so, so the tone that struck matters, does it? Oh, absolutely. I think people particularly these days, people are pretty cynical about some of these visits and see them as just a performance before the media. So they want some sense of authenticity that the person visiting really does care. And I think this did come through with Jim Cairns. There was a great piece in one of the newspapers where um, Gwen Cairns, his wife, said, Jim wouldn't cry in a situation like this, but he was pretty close to it. He was close to tears. And, you know, looking back over the photos, he was visibly shaken by what he saw. And this came through too with um, Alan Stretton, who was put in charge of the operations. He was crying in public and uh, he actually wrote about his experience of Cyclone Tracy and and the aftermath. And he said he felt it was important not to hold that emotion in, to to show people that that he really was that affected. 
It's yeah, curious so it's, because it's, I have, I mean, I think this is really also debatable because I'm not sure at all I want to see the people who've come to rescue me struggling like that. I actually think I want to see real competence and coolness. So, I mean, there, right. there, are di- there are differing views about this, aren't there? Yeah, and it comes back to, to the two purpose two purposes of, of that kind of response. One is practical and information, and the other is reassurance. So yes, people need that strong leadership. And I think Cairns and Stretton did this um, with Cyclone Tracy because they got in there and they did things. So they weren't just sitting around saying, oh, this is so awful and crying and holding people's hands and whatever. They were actually doing things. So it's striking the right balance. And, you know, I mean, they evacuated something. It was over 36,000 people mm, mm. in the first week after Tracy and um, ADF personnel were called back from leave. And this was all in the days that they would have been using landlines and um, fax machines and, I don't know, maybe telegrams. Uh, but they got it done, you know, this, this massive um, effort to get people to safety, over 36,000 in the first week. So, yes, it, it is that mix of being on the ground and being seen to get things done and knowing what needs to be done, but also showing that that you, you understand what people are going through. There's a great quote in your research. Cynics might say that natural disasters have become a media opportunity. Others might say natural disasters prevent a singular challenge and accentuate qualities of leadership less obvious in other contexts. Which one do you think it is? Uh, look, that's. I, <laughs> I think it comes down to the individual leader. And, you know, recently I was rereading... Uh, a first-hand account, a fairly rare detailed first-hand account of what it's like to lead people through disaster. I mean, one is um, Alan Stretton's, but Mm. the other one that springs to mind is Anna Bly, who had to deal with the 2010-11 floods in Mm. Queensland. And there's this great thing she said in there. She said, when you're leading people through a crisis, you can't see yourself from the outside. You're so caught up in the crisis with everything happening so quickly, that's all you can think about. You've just got to move from one decision to the next. So here's a leader who obviously feels that you've got to just throw yourself into managing the crisis. You don't have time to think about how you look. Mm -hmm. You don't have time to step aside and say, oh, how's... How's this going to look to the media? So for me, you know, the leader who gets caught up in those photo ops um, and and sees it primarily as a political performance, um, they're the ones who who potentially fall down quite badly. Is there a, a, a federal, a state federal difference? I wonder. I think the state leaders are more on the ground you know it's it's their community they they it, it's their um neighborhood if you like whereas the prime minister unless it happens to be a disaster that that's in their own area where, where they live they are more removed which is trickier um, isn't it but, it's definitely more challenging if, if you follow through your thinking that the sort of it's got to come from within that sense of whether you're yeah. really needed and able to deliver something right there and then so you don't even have time to think about yourself in a way that, that that's right but but we have seen prime ministers who've done that and um you know um 
I, I think this is the value of looking to the past, looking um, at, at the history of these fairly, what have become fairly ritualised visits to disaster scenes. Because you think Harold Holt actually was the first in your research, he was the yeah. first to tour a disaster area. He, he was the first to really emerge as a, a PM who was who visited a disaster scene and um, and and had this portrayed quite in in some detail by the media. Before Holt, I mean, other leaders had visited disaster scenes, but they tended to be at the state or even local county, well, obviously local council level because it's part mm. of their job. Um, but Holt was the first one, the first prime minister who um, was shown by the media to be visiting, uh, it was the bushfires in Tasmania in 1967, and he was actually overseas. He was in New Zealand, but he came back pretty quickly, uh, went straight to Tasmania and toured these fire zones, and he showed that he was not just physically but emotionally present, and he actually talked quite explicitly about how you just can't imagine what it's like. Yes. You have to be here. Okay, look, I'm going to let you go. Uh, thank you very much indeed for doing this work. Thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, Dr Rose Williamson, a senior lecturer in the School of Humanities, Arts and Social Sciences at the University of New England.